0: All right, good morning, everybody. Um, I hope you had an awesome time of communion. Uh, Jesse, that was awesome. Uh, man, if, if I, I just hope that your heart... My heart is just softened, um, and so I hope that your heart is as well, um, which is great. I, I actually knew I needed her to do communion before I preached, just to kind of soften everybody's heart and... Uh, you know, that really helps when, when I'm up here, if everybody's heart's nice and soft, ready to be graceful and merciful and kind. Okay, so uh, we are, my, by the way, my name is Eli, if you guys, if, if you're visiting, you don't know me. My name is Eli, me, my wife and I, we lead the youth and family ministry here, and, and we are doing a sermon series on uh, knowing God, and we're going through the Old Testament, and Today we're going to make our way into the book of 1 Kings. And we're going to talk about knowing God's wisdom today. So, before somebody young and as foolish as myself talks about wisdom, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father God, I just pray that uh, your spirits uh, would, would move powerfully through your word um, in the hearts of these people. God, I pray that your spirit would, would give me the strength to speak, and to speak rightfully, accurately, uh, truthfully, God, and that um, you just bless the hearts of the hearers, and that this would be a blessing uh, to your church, um, and ultimately to you, God. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, we are in uh, 1 Kings, and I'm going to kind of just catch us up, just a little bit of what exactly is going on, Okay. So if some, Solomon, we're going to be looking specifically at Solomon, okay, in the book of 1 Kings, and Solomon has a really interesting life, okay? I, I just honestly just wrestled with this all week of, of what, what, what needs to be talked about out of this story. Um, because Solomon, as many of you know, he's known for just his incredible wealth, his incredible wisdom, his incredible success, that is just unrivaled and unmatched by anyone in, in human history. Like, that's, that's how big of a deal Solomon is. But yet his life ends pretty much in disaster. And so what's, what's the disconnect? Like, what happened, you know, for him to just be so successful and then for everything to just kind of just... I mean, right at the end, like, there was, no, there was really no glaring weakness. But then, just bang, it just came crashing down his life, his, even his kingdom, that he did so well at managing and effectively leading. And, and here's, uh, honestly, what I, what I think it is. And the one thing that I want us to come away with today is that if, if your desire, which I'm going to list a few desires that are pretty common to a lot of us, okay? So if your desire, and you can kind of fill in the blanks too with, you know, what's important to you. But if your desire to be effective, to have a successful family, a successful career, even great friendships, even a fruitful ministry, if that desire overtakes the desire to rely on God for personal holiness and conformity to his son, whether or not you succeed or fail in those endeavors, it will end in disaster. Okay, so we just, we're, we got through 1 Kings, comes after 1 and 2 Samuel. So we, we had Saul, he was the first king of Israel. And then, uh, and he, also, he starts off really strong. And then he honestly he goes like literally insane near the end of his life. So he, he just really goes off the deep end. And God tears the kingdom out of his hand and he gives it to David. And David, uh... Is an incredible king. He's very successful, uh, prosperous. Uh, his military strength and might is 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 amazing. And he also he he finishes kinda a little bit on, on the on the poor end. Like not not quite as bad as Saul. But here's the thing with David is that even though like he had some pretty bad things uh, that he did and that happened towards the end of his life, he committed adultery and and whatnot he repented, like he turned back to God. And, and he did so with his whole heart. And so that's, and it, that's just amazing. It just tells you about who God is because that's ultimately what he wants from us. He doesn't want perfection. He wants just our whole hearts to be towards him and inclined to him. And so David did that. And so David is forever known as a man after God's own heart. Um, even though he, he did some very sinful things. Um, and so he's also lifted up in, in the book of Kings as the ideal king. Like, every king is compared to David. Like, there, there's a ton of kings. It's like they did not walk in the way that David did, or, or they did. Very few did. Okay? And so, and then also, when the First King starts, David's about to die. He, he, he passes away in chapter 2, and the kingdom is handed over to Solomon, his son. And I want to take a few minutes. We're going to kind of work. We're going to kind of start later in the book and work our way backwards a little bit because I want us to kind of wrap our minds around the great really the greatness of Solomon how great he really was it's, it's crazy so let's look at some of Solomon's achievements um, it says that he had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates from Tifsa to Gaza over all the kings west of the Euphrates and he had peace on all sides around him and Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan even to Beersheba, every man under his vine and under his fig tree all the days of Solomon. Solomon also had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Okay, so guys, he has peace. This is a a country that has just been at constant war. Through the period of the judges and now the first two kings, and now they have peace on all sides. Don't isn't that great? Isn't it awesome when you have peace? On, you have no opposition, no adversaries. You have peace on all sides. You're on cruise control. I, I love that feeling. Okay? Solomon's got that going on. He has 40,000 stalls of He has 40,000 horses. If you put that in the modern day calculator, which, by the way, I'm totally making this up, that's like, you know, 100 Lambos, 100 Porsches, 100. Maseratis okay this it's it's crazy all right if you just convert that from back then what that what kind of that wealth would be like today let's look at the next one that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure in breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore like how how smart is this guy this is crazy so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Haman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. So, he, his breadth of his mind is like the sand of the seashore. That, I, I can't... The, there, I don't think there's a better way of putting, like, of, if you're trying to say how someone who's, like, incomprehensibly smart is, like, I don't know if there's a better way to put it, and not only that, not only is he managing his, this kingdom, there's peace on all sides, the, the economy is booming, and he also, he's so creative, and so, he's, that he writes a thousand and five songs, okay, think about your favorite artist, okay, your favorite musician, I should say. How many songs have they produced? Pro- you know, hundreds, a lot. May- maybe not so much. It just depends. But, so a 1,005 songs that he, like, actually, like, this isn't, like, they don't record, like, all of Solomon's, like, journal. Like, oh, yeah, he, like, in his lifetime, journal. No, he, like, actually made a- over a 1,000 songs. Like, the creativity just left, it's, he's just teeming with it. He has been blessed by God. It's, it's obvious. And then this, this, this episode here, we're about to read about the Queen of Sheba. This is like kind of the pinnacle of his success. The Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord. There was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. So this queen, she comes and it literally... She's in Solomon's courts, and her breath is literally taken away. There's no breath in her. So, just a mat. Put yourself, try to walk in her shoes for a second. You go to Solomon's, his palace, his wealth, his lands, and it literally takes your breath away. That's, that's the type of of riches and beauty, and wealth that we're talking about. And not only that, right? You're hearing right now. You're hearing all this stuff about Solomon. You're like, wow. I mean, Solomon. Yeah, he's pretty cool it's until you actually see it you don't even know the half of it that's only the half of it you have to see it to actually believe it and then you know i this is just it makes sense right the queen of sheba at the end she sees all the stuff she's like just happy happy are you and your men and this is awesome right i mean wouldn't you be happy to be in these shoes it sounds great All right, let's read, and then let's read that last one there. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. And so he excelled all the kings of the earth. So whatever your job is, whatever your occupation is, imagine you just excelled above everyone else. So I know that there are a few teachers in the room. And just imagine what would it feel like if you're a teacher and you have people, let's say, from across the world, like you know, Europe, Asia, that are calling you and saying, hey, is there any way I can get my kid in your classroom this upcoming year? Because they need to hear you. They need to be taught by you. I'd be feeling pretty good about myself. Like, man, I'm just, I'm killing it. That's, and everyone wants, right? Everyone in the earth sought his presence. Everyone wanted to be near Solomon. Okay, I'm just not even just, just, just honest honesty here. That's pretty cool. Okay, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind being someone who just everyone just like wants wants my presence. Okay, and that's that's super obviously like super arrogant, but there's there's there is an appeal, right? There is an appeal to it. Uh, something that seems desirable about desirable about it, even if it's a little awkward to say out loud. It's just but it's in here. So you know, Solomon is so great, so great, and and I I look at this, and you know, don't I find myself wanting to be like him? Don't don't you want to be like him, right? I mean, it's this is this is kind of the picture that so many of us want in life is is no no opposition and no adversaries, and for, for things to go well and for everything to be happy. We love happiness. We want to be happy. So this is Solomon's, these are his greatest achievements, right? And and so we're going to, but what happens just a few verses from from that last verse is that everything crashes, okay? And so I want to look back, I'm going to look previously back in 1 Kings chapter 3, and I want to talk about what I think is, is Solomon's truly his greatest achievement, his greatest moment. So let's read from 1 Kings chapter 3. So this is right after Solomon, essentially right after a short period of time after Solomon has become king. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord, in the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, Walking in the statutes of David his father. Only only he made excuse me, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great. And steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on on his throne to this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. And your servants... And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or the life of your enemies, But have asked for yourself, understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And so... Just to quickly summarize, Solomon, he's he's at Gibeon, he's making, uh, he makes annual sacrifices. So he's at an altar there in Gibeon and God appears to him in a dream and he has a blank check and he says, I got a blank check, fill it out, whatever you want. And Solomon asks for wisdom and understanding to govern the people that he's been put in charge over. This is a very... It's a very noble request. That's why it pleases God. God is very pleased that he did not ask for for riches and honor. Right? Because, so I've heard this story a bunch of times, so I kind of have like a spiritual filter. I'm like, oh yeah, if God showed up and asked me, what I I, I could have whatever I wanted, I'd totally say something super spiritual. (laughs) Like, just give me just more faith, God. Are you kidding me? What's the one thing that every, like every movie story that has like, a genie in it, right? Where the genius comes, and, like you have anything that you want, a wish. What is the one thing everybody wants to wish for, but they can't? More wishes. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, more, more wishes. It'd be great, but no. So, so I have this spiritual filter that helps me, right? So we're, we're trying to take that down. What if you really were just God appeared to you? So I'll give you anything. and you're in a dream nonetheless. You know, you're not, you're not. I, when I'm like sleeping, not exactly at my my, my clear minded and my best, or you know, I'm asleep. And, and God makes that proposal to you. So, so Solomon does a great thing here. And, and it pleases God. And the reason that, I, that this is Solomon's greatest moment in my mind is because, and this is something that you'll, you'll want to take with you if you want to be a Christian or you are a Christian and you want to stay faithful your whole life, that success... It does not equal greatness. You want to remember that. Because here's Solomon's heart. He says, I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. His heart is in the right place right now. He, God can really use him in the, in the place that he's in in his heart. And despite all of this, right, he has all these, this greatness or all the success. But that 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 it all comes crashing down. This right here, if Solomon could have stayed in this heart space right here, things would have ended a lot differently. This was Solomon's greatest moment. And you know, one thing that you notice too in verse 1, that Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh the king of Egypt. Just, it's just right there, just sneak it in there. And he also, and so and if you don't know this, he, he's clearly uh, prescribed in the, in the, the law that that the the Israelites are not to marry women from foreign countries. So, he's not supposed to do that. And he also, in verse 3, is Solomon loved the Lord. And he walked in the statutes of his father David. You know, marrying Pharaoh's daughter made strategic sense. okay, For his kingdom... Uh, it made strategic sense. He, and also, too, as we'll find out, part of Solomon's downfall is he marries a lot of foreign women. And, and you wonder why, one of the reasons he had peace on all sides, because he made these alliances. And so it made strategic sense for his life and for his kingdom to do this. so he could easy, I mean, he could easily justify this. This is going to prosper the kingdom of Israel. And so... The more that, the, the, just the more that I age, the more that I examine myself, the more I see myself as a, as a walking contradiction. My, my words, my thoughts, and my actions, they, they don't always align perfectly. Maybe you can relate. And the thing that I love about Jesus is that His life is like, it's like a stream because His thoughts, His actions... Um, in, in his words, they all—they all—they just go in one direction. They all just move, and that's part of spiritually maturing—is—is is getting that division out of our lives between the, the different parts of ourselves. And that can just be a walking contradiction. Say one thing, do another. Think one thing, do another. Even—even even in a good like—even think a bad thought and then do something good, trying to, you know, because I know the thought's bad. Just a walking contradiction. Solomon, he's humble. He's just, hes really humble here. He sees himself as a child, and, and he need, and he's asking for help. I want to—I want to challenge uh, the, the younger people in the room that your your your, your and you've, you've heard this many times before, but your your parents' faith isn't yours. Your parents' walk with God isn't yours. It, it's, It's—it's a blessing to you. It is a blessing to you, and it helps instruct you and teach you in the way of the Lord. But it's not yours, and it's really only super useful to you until you leave the house. And then it's up to you. And also, for, for the older folks who are wise and discerning, it's great. It's, it's, it's an amazing gift. There's so much blessing in it, but no. But just one caution is that no amount of wisdom can overcome a divided heart. None. Solomon is just, he is the walking picture of that fact, that no amount of wisdom can overcome a heart that is not wholly devoted to the Lord. And so we come to the turning point, right? Like I mentioned earlier, so from this point, from this point in the book of Kings, I mean, Solomon, he builds this amazing temple. He builds this amazing palace. Like I said, the economy is booming. It just the money, it says that the silver was like nothing in those days. Like, there's just money. He's literally rolling in money. And there, peace on all sides, it's, it couldn't get any better. As, as a king, it's like, it, he is the perfect king. As a king. Right, if you were to judge him by, by like, worldly standards so to speak, right? If if our president was able to if if the president or the prime minister or was able to pull this off, it's like vote him in again. Like they did awesome. So we come to a turning point, right? And it's the next it's just chapter eleven. It's a few verses after this episode with the Queen of Sheba. So it says that now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite woman, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And so, Solomon, right, clearly has a problem. He has 700 wives, <laughs> 300 concubines. He So a lot of times, though... That This is a symptom of a deeper spiritual issue, right? When when we struggle with lust, impurity, those sorts of things, a lot of times it's a symptom of a deeper spiritual issue. A lot of times we have a a need or a desire in our our lives that's not being met, and so we reach for it ourselves, and we go after it ourselves. So if we want love and acceptance, whatever it is, we we find rather than waiting on God and getting those needs met from Him, we, we reach, we grasp for things. So we get that... It's, it's so, And especially things like lust and impure, they're so easy to get nowadays. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So I want to talk about strategically what makes sense for your life. According to the wisdom of Solomon, what makes sense for your life? It might make sense for your family. Eau Claire is in a wonderful community. It's safe. It's outdoorsy. Like, I, I seriously love Eau Claire. I, I, move, I moved to Eau Claire about uh, five or six years ago now, and uh, my intention was not to stay. My intention was like, no, I'm going back home, because I love my home. I'm from, I'm from Lansing, Michigan. I love Lansing, Michigan. I'm like, I'm going back home. But I stayed in Eau Claire. I mean, partially that I got married, but I love Eau Claire, okay, at the same time. I would have made her just come back with me if I didn't want to stay here. she wouldn't have done that, so <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, so it might make strategic sense for your family to stay in Eau Claire. Right, but what about, what, about, what, what makes sense in, in God's mind? What about, what about God's mission to make disciples of all nations? Where, where does God want you? Not, not where does your life circumstances all come together, but where, where does God want you? Right and, and and for some and for, I, I'm not making any state like probably for a lot of you it is like just I want you to think about these things though, right? It might make strategic strategic sense for you if you're kind of in that age right teens where you're where you're going to make a decision about where you go to school, college. It might make strategic sense to go to certain universities over others, but are you setting yourself up for success in your walk with God and your faith? Right? If we set ourselves up for success in these strategic, worldly ways, and we don't set ourselves up for success in, in spiritual ways, in ways that truly matter, it'll end in disaster. It may, might make sense strategically for you to go, to move, to change jobs, where you can make the most money. That might make strategic sense. But is that where God wants you to be? Um, a couple years ago now, actually just before I, I, I came back on staff with the church, um, just like two, two, two years, something like that. Anyways, I was considerate, me and Ian's son, uh, my wife were just, honestly, our finances were just totally not, we were in debt, not where we want to be at all whatsoever. And we were thinking about the future, like having children, like how are we going to afford to have children, any, like just everything, it's like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you get in that mindset. And so I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, you know what, I'm going to go back to school to become a physical therapist. Because physical therapy is something that, uh, well, honestly, I, I would be good at, I could do, that, that, that sort of thing, it just comes natural to me, and... Cool, I could do this, and I mean, physical therapists that make good money, and it's like this would set us up for success, right? This would set us up for success, and I, I, in my mind, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, this is going to be tough because I'm still going to be working, but it's like I'm just going to have to grind this out for like the next several years. But I was like getting my, did you just see the the self reliance. I'm like, I'm getting ready. I'm like, I'm going to grind this out. I'm going to make this happen, and. And so we were just... And, and thankfully, thankfully, I had enough spiritual sense, enough faith to be like, you know what, God, Here, here's, here's what I'm thinking. I remember praying to God, walking, walking down my street and saying, God, I... Look, I don't know if this is what I should do, but I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to... If you don't want me to, you'll stop me. And... So I literally go to orientation for school. I'm signed up for classes. I start classes in one week. And I have a meeting with um, a couple brothers in our church, and um, we had a conversation, and basically it was God made it extraordinarily obvious that this was not the way that I should go. And amen. Praise God for that. Um so the wisdom, right it just it made so much sense in terms of of the wisdom of of strategic success for for that for me to make that move, but thankfully, God spoke through through my brothers in Christ who really cared about me and and were like no that that's not that's definitely not what God wants <laughs> for you and um did that saved and to a degree, I mean, I saved my life I was, if I was down that path, I'd just. I don't know. I'm thankful for the path that I'm on. Um, we live. I just want to paint quickly uh, just a true picture of our world because we see the success. We're just we're just pretty separated in, in America from from a lot of things that go on, and uh, you'll see why I'm talking about this in a second. Um. Evil is like, I, I was thinking about this evil, right? Evil is all around us. And it's like, I guess, kind of it's, if I were to make an analogy of evil, what's evil kind of like? Evil's kind of like cancer. It's, it's kind of unpredictable. It's, it's malignant. It, 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 it grows very, very quickly. It has devastating consequences, It kind of it it takes the lives and destroys kind of innocent, unsuspecting people, right? And that's how evil works. It's just it's for some someone has evil in their heart. It's going to affect those around them. And you know, and this is how we need to treat evil in in our hearts, right? If you have a little bit of cancer, it's not like oh I just I have a little bit of cancer that that should probably go away. I'll be fine. You got a little bit evil in your heart. It'll oh, go away. should be fine. That's not how it works. If our hearts don't stay wholly true to the Lord, the evil spreads. Guys, we live in a world where we think that we're progressing, like morally. Just a few, the, the 20th century, right? So between the year 1900 to 2000, there was, there was more deaths by genocide, execution, murder, violence, than the 19 previous centuries combined. But we're moving forward. But we're moving forward. And even in the 1940s, it was Mao Zedong, the Great Leap Forward, it was called in, in, in Korea. 38 million people died in the Great Leap Forward of starvation and you know, the government killing them. This is the Great Leap Forward Technology. Technology. I want want to really. I'm. I'm a fairly. I'm a fairly young person, so technology. I I want to speak to the young people about technology. Maybe. Maybe some of the older people too, but technology is. Is not evil, but what it's doing is it's clouding our minds. We, lose the ability to, what what technology does is this constant distraction and it's constant stimulation. So what it does is it takes away, and this is all, I mean, this is data, scientifically proven stuff, and it takes away your ability to actually concentrate and to focus. And so how are you going to have a heart that is wholly committed to the Lord, that's able to walk, right? The Bible talks about praying continuously, meditating on the Word. How are you going to do that? When you've literally lost the capacity to focus because of using the cell phone so much. I mean, and I, I guess, and I'm speaking from experience, times in my life where I've been on it more and more, I like realize, like, I go to, like, it's, it's so annoying. I can focus on everything that I don't want to focus on. And then when I actually need to focus and get some work done, I'm just like, I can't think. Let me, let me get my phone. And that'll make me kind of... This, I'll just go back to that. Because that will help me feel better about, like, I I literally can't get, I cannot accomplish anything because I can't think. Um, Sexuality, pornography, right? Uh, Not only has this, is, is, is like, the most profitable industry in the world now. We're we're moving forward morally, of course. But now a quarter, or or the latest research is showing that almost a quarter of teenagers are actually participating in pornography by sending and receiving images that are highly inappropriate to each other so now uh, we're moving forward sometimes guys we share our faith or we don't share our faith like nothing's wrong like Hey, you should come to my church, but, you know, if you're just not interested, don't worry about it, kind of. A, you know, or, or, yeah, just not going to say anything. Because, you know, they actually, they got their life together. I mean, they probably don't even, probably even need this. Sometimes we share our faith like nothing's wrong. And honestly, there's like, there's malignant evil all over the place. And, you know, we don't even have to look outside of these doors to see division in our own hearts and evil and selfish schemes in our own hearts. We're almost done. Okay. So what happens? All right. A few verses later in, in 1 Kings 11. And at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah, the um, Shilonite, found him on the road. Now Ahijah had dressed himself in a new garment. And the two of them were alone in the open country. And then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus is the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon. And we'll give you ten tribes. If you guys look at this, this little episode here, if you guys remember how Saul lost the kingdom, Samuel came to him, a prophet of God, and he grabbed hold of his robe. And he tore it. He said, God is tearing the kingdom away from you. And Solomon, right? You look at Saul and you look at Solomon and Solomon is so much better. It, it is, but his kingdom is torn away in the exact same way that Saul's. Their end is the same. We're going to end in this verse. First John 2.16 For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, A craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does does what pleases God will live forever. Pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. The world is fading away. Guys, we don't have to have a glaring... Weakness or a glaring mistake to end up like Solomon. Because, you know, like he had all these wives, but that didn't just happen. Like, First Kings 11, like he didn't just suddenly marry 700 women. Like, this was going on throughout all of his success. And then, just like, it just collapses tragically. So, practically, guys, just want you to take some time to examine yourself. I want you to ask others. How, how, how is, your, is your heart holy, true to the Lord? And, and, don't, and when I say ask others, you want to ask people whose faith that you admire. Because if you ask someone whose faith is kind of in the stinker, and they're like, yeah, man, you're doing great, because, you know, my faith sucks. <laughs> you know, that you, don't, you, don't want to, you want to ask someone whose faith you, you admire, okay, to get like an accurate picture, right, of, of, of how it's going. Um, listen to the Spirit, guys. I believe that the Spirit is, is leading you and is prompting you in, in some way, like in some way today, that there's something, there's evil, there's something in your heart that's, that's keeping you from wholly devoting yourself to the Lord. Listen to that. Don't ignore that. And then, like David, repent with all of your heart. All right, message is yours.